that you will at some point come into conflicts, different opinions, different ways of thinking. You're going to cross paths with people who don't see the world the way you see the world. Uh, even Christians. Uh, I mean, we're seeing this now a lot with uh, uh, politics and other things. You're like, wow, they believe that. That's weird. You know, it's weird to me. Uh, it's just different stuff in that nature. We're not going there, not going to politics. But what I'm saying is, within the kingdom of God, there is a dude, different gifts, different callings. But one of the funny thing is, is that, that human beings even have a preset character that seems to bleed over into their Christianity as well. And I, I found this in, in the life of the apostles. Um. And the Bible says that we should renew our minds by the word of God, right? And grow thereby the word of God. That is something we all must do throughout our journey in our life is that we grow by the word of God. Um, and you can have a, a, a clean heart, be set right and on fire with God and still have some of those presets that you picked up in your life. That's hard to see the world past that. You understand? Uh, as a matter of fact, from uh, the ages zero to seven, and take this with a grain of salt, uh, there is a lot of worldview being shaped in your mind. And, and, you know, when you talk to a little kid, you pretty much tell them everything. And if, if you tell them with that serious face, they believe it. Right. Uh, and that's how impressionable you are as a child. And a lot of times we come through life. And uh, we've experienced different things. Uh, and some of those things are stuck in our minds. And you can spend a lifetime of removing some of the things that were not true from your childhood. Do you understand? Uh, but with this, also, you gotta understand that, that, that the, the development of the brain is, is taking place in a serious way at these times of, of your life. And you're gonna run into different people who have walk different lives uh, and have experienced different traumas. Uh, you know, their um, let's say their father was extremely hard on them. Uh, they're going to have a different preset in a view of who God is. They're going to think God is trying to hit them with a lightning bolt all the time. You see what I'm saying? And a lot of times we view God of, of how our upbringing was. Like there's a lot of that in how we view God. Um, but what I'm saying is, because we didn't all grow up in the same house, we didn't experience the same things, we're going to have different views in a lot of areas that we're all going to have to grow still. We're still growing. And uh, the reason uh, I need to say that, because I'm telling you, it's not if you're going to have a conflict or disagreement, it's when. You will. If you, if you walk around this Christian world long enough, you will have conflicts, you have disagreements, you will have different points of view. Uh, and, and spiritual maturity has nothing to do with those conflicts. What, what spiritual maturity is, is how you deal with those conflicts. Are, are y'all with me? Uh, this is valuable stuff. I don't want somebody to just come and be a part of our church just to say we got another member. I pray that the, the, the teachings that come from this pulpit will mark them for the rest of their life. Teach them how to walk with God for the rest of their life. 
uh, and, and teach them how to walk with the Holy Spirit. Uh, we know that God does several things right now. We're looking at the here and now, but God has a plan so far in the future. You uh, you don't even we can't even comprehend what he's doing. I mean, unless he returns tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? And we can't comprehend if he's going to do that. But the reason I wanted to come in this direction is because most of American Christianity has been impacted by either John Wesley or George Whitfield. Um, and if you didn't get a chance uh, to, to, to see on my, my Facebook or on the Gallatin Free Methodist Facebook, I posted a video last night, John Wesley's message at George Whit- Whitfield's funeral. And it is super impactful. I, I suggest you go listen to it uh, to the very end. Very impactful. What people might not realize is that John Wesley and George Whitfield were a part of the same holy club. And I'm not going to get deep into this, okay? But I want to explain something. One of them leaned more towards Arminianism, which was John Wesley, and the other more towards Calvinism. But something happened in this holy club. Let me tell you that that God selected a couple men. It wasn't just John Wesley and um, George Whitfield, but even Charles Wesley, and anointed them with rare anointings. Those anointings wasn't even the same. You understand? If you uh, read history, you'll see that uh, the way they do things, the, the way they preach uh, is, is different. But both of them were severely anointed by God. Uh, and, and, and most people, when I put these two pictures up together, most people, what they think about is their great fallout. Are you all with me? Are you all familiar with that? These, these two were both highly anointed by God. Uh, but they spent uh, a season in their life where they had bitter disagreements and split ways. And uh, I find it so, so interesting uh, when I really look at history and I, I see um, these bitter disagreements and how they dealt with them. And, and they remind me a lot of the apostles in the Bible. Uh, and as a matter of fact, at George Whitfield's funeral, John Wesley said, has there been a man with the grace of God on his life since the days of the apostles? Strange things were happening in George Whitfield's life. Uh, we're talking about preaching to crowds of 25,000, 10,000, 25,000 people with no microphone. Uh, and Strange things were happening. Like grace was really strong. Uh, such a rare thing. But also at a different season in George Whitfield's life, man, he had a problem with every Angelican preacher, every person uh, that was in the pulpit, anywhere. Uh, and, and I believe that some of that was divine because if it wasn't for those kind of straight forward moments, there's a good chance we'd all still be Anglican. You see what I'm saying? Uh, And you'd be surprised how God 
can do things. But what I'm telling you is God knows how to humble each individual. Uh, but I'm telling you about these character presets because you need to understand that when you come around people in the world and people in the church, there's different character presets. Some people are geared and wired very differently. And it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I want to really show you these things in the Word of God. Now, uh, number one, I think we all know Peter uh, to a certain degree. When you you know you, you talk about the disciples, you can't go without talking about Peter. Uh, probably one of the most mentioned disciples there was. But we all know that that Peter, man, he was going to say what was on his mind. Are you with me? He was extremely headstrong, straightforward. So, number one, he was always the one to say something first. You know, he was always out there. And, and a lot of times he was the one that got reprimanded all the time. Do you understand? Uh, not only, uh, uh, you know, he, he's straightforward, says what he says, and, and it's just kind of part of his character to go head first. It's just kind of a character preset that he just... And uh, you got to realize, because of this character preset, Jesus calls him Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. You don't even know what you're talking about. But at another time, you have to realize he's the only apostle that walked on water. Do you understand? <laughs> That's something. Don't you understand? Uh, you know, how many, how many knows that God knows each one of us? More intimately than we know ourselves. And God is able to not only work with you and work with these people over here who are totally different from you, uh, but he knows how to call you out. He knows how to shape things in your life that's going to cut a lot of junk off your life. He knows how to bring you through that fire. See, we might be running into a young George Whitfield right now. We might be running into a young John Wesley right now. See, and you're looking at them and you say, well, God can't use that one. Man, God can do anything. Uh, and, and that's the, the thing that people don't understand. God don't, God's not even looking at people like, like we look at people. Uh, he's given graces and things, uh, according to his purpose, according to why he created them. Uh, he's calling them out of darkness and shaping them and whipping them together. And, uh, let me tell you, those straightforward ones, those hard-headed ones, how many knows they went through that fire? Uh, John Wesley and George Whitfield were both pretty straightforward people. And uh, I find their story absolutely amazing because the message in their story is so amazing. They had this bitter falling out. Uh, and they divided and, and uh, split. And uh, like I said, George Whitfield went through a place where, man, he was into it with every preacher. Uh, and not only that, uh, another revivalist, John, uh, Jonathan Edwards, invited him to come speak. Uh, and he got into it with him over something. And it's like, dude, calm down. But how many knows God knows how to shape and put everybody where they're supposed to be? But it's just funny because uh, these same character presets are actually in the Bible. Uh, and I'm going to show you this because I, 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 I need you to see it. 
Because I need you to understand that the old John Wesley could have taught the young John Wesley a few things. You understand? The old George Whitfield could have taught the young George Whitfield some things. And it's funny how, how uh, God has a way of bringing things back around. I've noticed this in my own life. And I've also noticed it in, in the life of the, uh, the people in the Bible and in other people's lives. God has a way of bringing things back around. So uh, George Whitfield uh, had one final request. And it was that uh, John Wesley would preach his funeral. And I, I don't know if you see the sense of humor in that, but I, I do. Now, they had come together and decided that their friendship was more important than their uh, doctrinal fallouts uh, earlier in the time. But they had already created these rifts in the kingdom of God. Uh, and I, I want you uh, to go, if you're very interested in hearing that sermon, it was about 40 minutes long, John Wesley's message uh, in that sermon was absolutely incredible. Inspiring. By the end of it, you realize, man, we've got a long way to go to be uh, like these guys. We've got a long way to go. But as uh, John Wesley uh, uh, finished this preaching, a, a lady come up to him and ask him, do you think you'll see George Whitfield in heaven? Y'all looking at me. John Wesley's response? I'm not sure. I don't know. He'll be so close to the throne room of God. I'm not sure I'll get to see him. And see, you might not understand how profound that statement was, but John Wesley nailed it. He nailed what, what, what he was saying was, and let me tell you something, he was humbling himself. You know, and, and, and sometimes we don't even see things in life until we go through the fire and we go through uh, that purging and uh, a lot of things. You're, you're at somebody's funeral. You, there's a lot of things going on. How you know life, man, it just comes back around sometimes. Uh, and I guarantee you the, uh, the look on that woman's face was... Amazed because, you know, he she was asking in the sense of, you know, y'all had all these doctrinal fallouts. You know, y'all don't agree on everything. Do you think you'll see him in heaven? Uh, and John Wesley could do nothing but praise what a man of God he was. And I and I think that sometimes we 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 forget these things, you know, that that uh, God will call a man and it might not be according to what we think. Or how our preset of what a man is supposed to look like. But I mean, the Bible said he's able to make them stand. Um, but I really uh, would call that message a message from the grave. Uh, because if these two forefathers of all this Christianity right here in America could speak today, the old John Wesley, the old George Whitfield would tell us all. All that stuff, that falling out stuff and uh, bitter disagreements, and that is not of the kingdom of God. Do you understand? 
Uh, and I, I want to take you, are y'all, are y'all ready to go through the Bible now? Um, and let me tell you, I can identify with both of them at some point in my life. Let me tell you, uh, when I was younger, uh, I, I fall out with all of them too. You know, I was more zealous and coming up in the pews in the background like, oh man, that ain't right. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's the kind of mentality I had. And, and there's a certain level of reverence for that mentality. You have to understand that stuff is necessary. In some ways. Are y'all with me? But at the end of the day, being a Christian is following the teachings of Jesus. Um, and we're going to get into this because it's so, so good for your soul to understand these things. Number one, even, even when you fall out with people, you have to understand that at the end of the day, God's going to get... His way. You understand? You don't have to go around defending yourself. You don't have to go around uh, trying to make everybody see what you see and believe what you believe. You don't have to do that. At the end of the day, we're all going to stand before God. There's going to be people who, who preach the Word of God who had no business preaching the Word of God ever in their life. And then there's going to be people who uh, love God with all their heart and... Um, you're just, this, these are things we can't tell. These are eternal things. Um, but I do know this, you know, we must preach the Word of God with as much precision as possible and preach the truth as we know it. But when it comes to character, you've got to understand that God's shaping and molding. He's renewing minds. And uh, somebody who's spiritually mature can understand and, 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 and shape with God instead of cut off and push away. Do you understand? Somebody who's mature in the spirit can realize, uh, oh, this person's probably been through a lot in their life. This person is probably wounded, can't receive much of anything because they've been wounded, they're scarred or something. They need the healing of God. You understand? Sometimes it's not always about like being right. Sometimes it's about working with the Holy Spirit and slowly, gently building that person up. Do you understand? Some of the things we argue about are, are nonsense. Uh, so anyway, let's get into the Word of God. A lot of times I, I, I display these things to me and my sister because I need people to understand, me and my sister grew up in the same house. Uh, but we are yet two completely different people. Uh, a lot of people, you have to understand, this is how different everybody is. My sister is more of the analytical, uh, secretary, gotta have all this right round and pulled in together. I'm like the opposite of that. Uh, some people, like, they got to have a, a, a square like this, straight up and down. I'm the type that just like, hey, let's put it sideways. But that would drive them crazy. Do you understand? I'm like, let's put it sideways, because that will inspire me to 
look at it this way, then look at it that way, go, hmm. But see, some people, that, that drives them crazy. And it's a preset. It's something very deep in, inside. It's not something to argue about. Just like the picture of the uh, person standing on one side and seeing a six, and then a person standing on the other side seeing a nine. You're sitting here arguing, but you're looking at the same thing. How many knows if you, you look at that six long enough and then you come to this side of it, and you're eventually going to see a nine too. You understand? So what, what am I, I get, I'm getting that, I'm getting at that there's different people in the world and, and in order to navigate through the body of Christ, we have to understand these things. In order to minister to people, you have to understand these things. Are, are y'all with me? People's needs are different. People's wounds are different. That's a big one. But we all need the love. We all need the love of God. You know, you can preach the truth to me all day long. Uh, but when somebody lives the truth, that's a different story. When, I, when I'm busted and, and down and out and you know, somebody lives that truth instead of trying to preach the truth. That's, that's two different things. Do you all understand? All right, let's get into the word. I'm not. I feel like I'm losing y'all. Are y'all with me? Y'all. I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I'm trying to get there. So what am I saying? I'm saying that within the body of Christ, there's going to be conflict. Some of the greatest, the greatest men of God don't even agree. Do you understand? Throughout all history, and don't think it started with uh, this modern stuff. It starts in the Bible. I find it amazing uh, that the it, it records these things in the Bible. Their their disagreements and their uh, fallouts and their different thoughts of what is right and true, and uh, it's amazing. Number one, let's start our scripture reading with Acts chapter 4, verse 36. Because we're about to, we're about to see some characters of God and, uh, how much different they really are. Amen. And Jose, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Somebody say, who in the world is Jose? Jose, it says the disciples changed his name to Barnabas. Because his character was such as a Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Are y'all with me? Uh, and I find it amazing. <laughs> so, you know, Jesus went around changing everybody's name too. But it says the disciples changed his name to Barnabas because that was his character. Son of encouragement. I always count on old Barnabas. How many of we need Barnabases? Gotta have a Barnabas. Praise God. Somebody call, you call and they just build you right on up because they just got this spirit of grace and, uh, mercy and love on them. 
lead them to the kingdom of God slowly and surely. They're going to get there. But they were marked by that character. And uh, Barnabas, being the son of encouragement, his role in the kingdom of God was thus so. As a matter of fact, as we keep traveling through this Bible, you're going to see this character. Um, go to Acts chapter 9, verse 20. Hold on, what do I mean? Eight. Okay. Uh, now this is right after Saul had his, con- uh, or Paul had his conversion, and uh, he met Jesus on the road to uh, Damas- Damascus, and he's still kind of freaking out and trying to figure out what to do and what's going on. But it says he immediately, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? And has come here for the purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? It says, But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. So you, you see Paul just coming straight off the bench, like, in the synagogues. I, I, I'm sure he was a sight to see. It said he confounded the Jews. He was straightforward that Jesus was the Christ. He was showing everybody, teaching everybody. He was straight out the gate, just, whoo! You with me? Uh, I, I find that amazing because that's Paul's character. It, it's, Something that bled from his old life and, and bled into it, but now he's got a revelation of who Jesus is. And that zealousness come right on. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees, y'all. Let's not forget, he was zealous way before this. He was just zealous about the wrong thing. But then he met the, 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 the Christ and he comes straight out the gate tearing these synagogues up for Jesus. It's like proving it. He confounded him. He's like, no, man, look, you don't even know. I've been, you know, he's been studying the scriptures for a long time. But as a Jew, as a Pharisee, he's able to go in there and be like, he knows how a Pharisee thinks. So he's able to go in. Oh, man, see, look, this is the Christ, you know. And it's just, man, he was just confounding him. When the other apostles were running from him, you know. Are y'all with me? How many of those God did that? God took one of the head men who were trying to kill him and said, here you go. I find that amazing, you know, that uh, that's how you know that, that God is in control and he can just he can do it. We don't have to worry or fret or uh, man, he's going to get his way in the end. So anyway, keep on going down to verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. This is so funny. But they were all afraid of him. (laughs) And did not believe that he was a disciple. They were like, oh, this guy ain't no, this ain't, this guy can't. He was just trying to kill uh, them down the street, man. I know he ain't for real. He's playing, you know. 
they were scared of him. They're like, man, I know he's the last person in the world as a disciple. I know that. I'm not stupid. I know. And did not believe that he was a disciple. But listen, but Barnabas. Who? Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. Oh, son of encouragement. Oh, Paul. Ah, oh, man, I, I watched him, man. He tore them Jews up. Come on, man. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you to see my, my brothers real quick. And this is amazing. We've got to set you loose all over the place. But it was Barnabas who, who took Saul under his wing and said, I receive you. I believe you. Son of encouragement. Are you with me? Don't you find that amazing? One of them's a brute beast and wild and uh, flipping people's brains upside down with the scriptures. And But he was rejected by the apostles until Barnabas said, hey, come on, it's like, let's see what he's talking about. Let's hear him out. So Barnabas, son of encouragement, took him in. He didn't know what he was getting himself into. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, we know the story. So basically, Barnabas, uh, uh, you know, just told him everything that he had just witnessed in the synagogue and uh, whatnot. If you will, go to uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 25. So you got to realize that God had already orchestrated that whole thing. And, uh, you know, he's got Paul who, 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 who's wild and he's, uh, straightforward and direct and you got Barnabas who, uh, you know, is more kind, receiving and patient, kind of loving on folks and, uh, he shows that character throughout the Bible. He's the one who grabs Paul up and he's like, come on guys, come on, let's hear him out. I just watched him in the temple. He just flipped the Jews upside down. But watch this. See, God had a bigger plan that they didn't know. Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they heard or when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers and Barnabas and Simeon, who were also, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Corinne, I don't know that name, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul. For the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and sent them away. So you gotta realize that God was orchestrating this whole thing. Not only did he meet Paul where he was at, flip his mind upside down, like Jesus Christ, uh, you know, he orchestrated that relationship between Paul and Barnabas. And when that time had come, he says, look now, Separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work of the ministry. God called them both. They were both necessary. Their gifts were both important. Do you understand? He 
How many knows? Paul was hard, hard to get along with, most likely. I'd be, uh, and it wasn't a bad thing. He was so zealous about the kingdom of God. Uh, he's probably one of those people that's hard to deal with. Right? But how many know God is the master of Paul? God will shape Paul and bring Paul into where and who he's supposed to be. Acts chapter 15, he falls out with uh, some of the Jews over the circumcision. Uh, and I just wanted to throw that out. This is like a continual thing. <laughs> but where I really want you to go is Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Now, this is very interesting. I'm going to tell you from the other scriptures that Barnabas had a little cousin named John Mark. Uh, John Mark is supposedly also the person who wrote the first gospel, Mark. Um, so now that we've come this far, listen to me very clear. 1536, then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And this is it. You ready? Well, number one, they just finished a journey and Paul's already like, all right, now we just finished that circuit. Let's go back the same circuit and re-encourage every single one of them. We just He was just ready to go. I'm sure Barnabas was too. But it says, now Barnabas, was determined. That's a key point in what I'm about to say. Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted. So one of them's determined and the other one insisted. Barnabas was trying to raise... Uh, John Mark on the go, you know, Barnabas, uh, this is his cousin, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to bring him along, let him grow with that grace, but Paul's like, but Paul insisted that they should take, they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamlathea, and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the grace to the, the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Paul was so gung-ho, he didn't care who was going with him. He was like, all right, y'all go on over. So they went on about the mission. But you want to fight with uh, Barnabas? Try to hurt little John Mark. You see what I'm saying? Barnabas was extremely aware of other people's emotions and feelings and uh, trying to build them up. And Paul's like, man, he left us back here. Uh, man, he ain't coming with me another round. No way. It said, but Paul, uh, Barnabas was determined. Paul insisted. No. So they had a sharp discord and they fell out. I don't know about y'all, but that, that secures me in a lot of things because I realize even the apostles 
didn't agree on everything. But how many knows that God still, that's part of the Word of God. God was able to work things out together for the good. You have to be able to trust God in all things. Uh, but the ones who are more gung-ho and straightforward, God's going God's gonna to show them. You understand? God's going to bring them. God's going to guide them. God's going to teach them. You're not going to, if you, if you're like that forever, you miss something. You see what I'm saying? Because God will bring you in. That's what he does. It's what he did to George Whitfield. It's what he did to Paul. It's what he does. Now see, our problem is we want to fix them tomorrow. Or, or, or it's not even a bad thing. It's a character preset. There's just different types of people. You have to understand that. And different people need different encouragement. Man, you don't think I need encouragement? I do. I'm a different type of person. I can I could be that gung-ho person, but I also revert back in my corner like a little recluse sometimes. It's just true. I need somebody to whisper in my ear and say, this is, your, this is where you need to be. You need to... You know, straight your mind. The enemy's getting to you. Get up. You understand? Uh, and we have to be aware of that, you know. So I wanted to show you, number one, that the apostles themselves had had character presets. It's, it's, it, you're not going to be just like everybody else. But when you get in a room, several different people, there's going to be contentions. But the objective of the church is to grow in the spirit and to humble ourselves and become one. Even Paul speaks about this when he's talking to the church of Corinth. You've got to realize Paul is raising all these churches, man on a mission. Man, you couldn't stop him from nothing. You couldn't shipwreck him, bit by a snake, uh, stoned by the Jews. He was not going to be stopped. There was a divine ordinance on his life. They're saying hell or high water. Paul's going to be there. He's going. Prison. He's, he wrote half of these letters in prison. Do you all understand? How many knows that it might have been hard for him to understand? Why am I sitting in this prison? i got work to do. But how many knows 2,000 years later, he wrote all these letters. Praise God we got them. That's something God's seen. And he also used it probably to humble him a little bit. How many knows God is the God of your whole life? He knows what you've been through. He knows your pains. He knows your struggles. He knows how you can't trust people. He knows everything. And He wants to heal you. Because honestly, we have to heal in order to fully display the love of God the way we need to. Are are y'all with me? Uh, Because um, our, our character can get in the way of the Holy Spirit. And I'm... Dude, I'm talking number one here. I know uh, God has chewed me up and spit me out several times. Uh, and praise God he did. See, now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm like, <laughs> praise God, I don't want to do that again. Uh, but it's my character defect. It is one of my character. I'm a free-spirited person. I'm like, If there's trouble out there, I'm, I'm liable to get into it. That's just how I am. You know, when somebody else is more reserved and they're like, uh... I don't want to, I don't know if I, well, I don't want to spend $10 because then, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're just different. Me, I'm like, $10? Here. You see what I'm saying? 
It's just like we're just different. It's not a bad thing. How many knows that uh, God has called different gifts? There's administrations and uh, that that left brain mentality is important in the kingdom of God. Because if it was all wild and uh, spirit free spirited like me, we'd be in trouble. We'd be like Peter, always running into a problem. You understand? God has called many different gifts. And, and all of them have a necessity. The objective is, is can we learn to get them in operation as one? See what I'm saying? Uh, because the hand is not the foot, the foot is not the hand. We have got to grow. And the only way that you can uh, unite as one and each part does its share is to be in humility. It's not that you won't have conflicts or contentions, but it's knowing when to, it's not, you know, uh, if y'all remember my message, brotherly kindness, that's one for the ages. I'm telling you right now how we treat each other. God is uh, very present in that. And that's a truth that I feel like has been lost. Uh, and people aren't scared to do or say anything to another Christian. You're treading on some dangerous waters. And that's me, too, sitting in the back pew at somebody else who's sitting up here preaching. You know, a lot of times we just have to because if you don't, man, God will humble you. Bible says if you humble yourself, he will exalt you. But if you lift yourself up, you're going to get cut down. You understand? Uh, these are spiritual truths, man. We got to we got to learn. Where are we at on time? All right, I'm going to show you the coolest thing. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty much done. Are y'all glad? Uh, I'm hoping this word kind of just sets in. And, and if it doesn't even set in now, it just sets in and as part of your growth set. Uh, because you got to realize we're on a journey. Um, I've been in this thing a while, but I also realized, like, dude, when I was 22, I'm nothing like the 35-year-old I am now. But then I also am aware I'm nothing like the 55-year-old I'm going to be. See what I'm saying? Uh, so we're all just kind of growing. Second Timothy chapter two. Let me show you how God has a way of bringing things back around. Uh, now I'm going to tell you, Paul has been in prison before. Uh, but this time is a little bit different. Uh, the first time he was arrested, people were able to come to him and uh, it was like an open scene. But during this time, uh, this final stages of Paul's life, and I'm, I'm speaking from a historical aspect. Um, he was locked up under... Uh, Lord, I forgot his name. Nero, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right, Bill? Nero. Nero is responsible for killing most of the disciples. Um, if not responsible for it directly, he was responsible for it when the Jews revolted and he declared war on. It gave them uh, that, that extra room to go ahead and kill all those Christians. Which was in the will of God. You understand? But at this time, when he's writing Second Timothy, uh, 
Most scholars would say this was his last letter uh, in about 66, 67 A.D., right before his death. Uh, and I just, I love this. Because that guy we just talked about, that Paul, who's just, uh, uh, get out of here, cut you down, what's up, you know? It's almost like he's not even the same person by the end of his life. And it's uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. Listen to this. This is amazing. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing... What did I say? 24, 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Listen to that one more time. We're talking about Paul, the same Paul who's cutting everybody down and uh, uh, fighting with everybody. And I didn't even take you to, to Galatians. Where you've got the head button of Peter and Paul, uh, both extremely straightforward and zealous, but apparently uh, Peter either knew he was in the wrong or something. But in Galatians chapter 2, he says, I withstood Peter to his face. Listen to that language in Galatians versus the language he's using now. He says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Paul? For real? But be gentle to all, able to teach. This is key. Be gentle to all, able to teach. Patient. What? Paul, patient? What about John Mark? In humility, this is this is key. This is key. This is why nobody can uh, build somebody else up. This is why you people argue instead of coming to the truth. You know, it's uh, that angle of distortion. You know, when you get puffed up and uh, and you're not even listening to each other. Paul says, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. Uh, then he says, but know this uh, in chapter three, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, halty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I wanted you to understand this word headstrong. It's uh, it's exactly what Paul and Peter were. I mean, uh, listen. To fall forward. Hold on. Is that the headstrong one? Yeah. To fall forward. Headlong. Sloping. Rash. 
Man, that's that's exactly how Peter was. I mean, no, he grew too. Uh, you go lead, read some of his later letters and uh, his words, his language. But the next one, uh, that halty. It says, uh, uh, you know, First Timothy says, don't be a beginner, least being puffed up, they fall into the same condemnation as the devil, suggesting that in the beginning... Uh, there's this great temptation to be puffed up. You understand? But he's talking about the qualifications of a, a preacher and a pastor and a teacher and a leader and all these things. And he's saying, like, make sure they're not a novice. Uh, at least they fall into the same condemnation as the devil. But the word haughty, listen, this is great. To raise a smoke wrapped in a mist, to blind with pride or conceit, make proud, puff up with pride. Uh, the definition alone suggests that, like, it raises this smoke screen of blindness to where you can't see. To be puffed up, conceited, those kind of things. Uh, all right, I'm going to finish this message. Look. Second Timothy chapter three, verse nine. Uh, this is after Paul has done wrestled every beast, uh, that he was about to wrestle besides death itself. He says, be diligently, be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. That sounds like Paul. <laughs> and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dal- Dalamatia, Dalamata. Hold on, Second Timothy chapter, oh, sorry. Second Timothy chapter four. I'm sorry. Let's let's back that up. Chapter four, verse nine. And look, the fact that you were able to stop me and say, where are you at? Is a good place for you to be. It means you was looking at your Bible and realizing that where it wasn't where I was at. Right. Let's start over. Be diligent to come to me quickly. Uh, do y'all want to say these names so they're said properly? For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalamatia. Only Luke is with me. Now you got to understand he's writing to the young Timothy. He he fathered him in the faith, and he's a pastor, and he's uh, trying to teach him his last dying words. He says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for the ministry. Uh, and this this Mark uh, we read about in Acts, how he... So obviously, whatever Barnabas 
took Mark and did with him. He built him up. Number one, he wrote the first gospel. Uh, God has a way of bringing things back around. Paul is in this prison cell. Everybody's for Sukkim. Uh, you know, he's talking about these beasts that he fought in the Ephesians and he was all alone. Everybody left and it was just him. But he said, God stood with me. Uh, but even right here, he's talking about how, uh, you know, is it Demas? Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. So, <laughs> so he's just experiencing this kind of rejection often, where people just leave him hanging. But towards the end of this letter, he's saying, get John Mark, get, get Mark for me and bring him with you. He's useful for ministry. The same one he was so contentious about. Uh-uh, he ain't coming with me. He left us over there. Uh, remember his speech? He's like, man, we were preaching the gospel. He just left. No. Now, it's come back around. He said, Demas has forsaken me. Having loved this present world. Get John Mark. And bring him with me. Or bring him with you. Or Mark, excuse me. Uh, now, you gotta understand, Mark was one of the youngest ones. As a matter, matter of fact, when you read the Gospels, uh, scholars believe that he was, uh, the one that was in the blanket and he included himself in there and he ran away naked. Just, it's weird stuff like that, but it's funny how these authors, uh, put themselves in. He was just a kid. When Jesus walked by. You understand? And, uh, we see this, this trail where Paul ends up all alone in his prison cell and he's been forsook by so many. And the very one that Barnabas slowly raised up with patience. Come on, you know. John Mark, you come with me. Come on. We got this. He couldn't go with Paul on that. Zealous mission number one. Uh, the next thing Paul and Silas did is they ended up in prison. John Mark probably wasn't ready for that bout. You feel me? But I just find it so interesting how life comes back around. These same people that you're in contention with now, you can't get along with now. It's funny how God will bring things back around. He even reminded us uh, you know, of the, the, the same kind of stuff John Mark did when he forsook them in the book of Acts, when they were preaching, he just left them cold. He's like, Demas just forsook me. You know, it's like it's almost like it brought it all back up to his memory. He's like, oh, yeah, John Mark, he's useful for the ministry. So what am I saying? Uh, number one, there's several different types of people in the kingdom of God. Uh, there's several different callings in the ministry. There's several different speaking gifts. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I can't identify them, but I can recognize them. I can recognize that, uh, that there's certain speaking gifts and it's magnified through certain people's characteristics. So even with that same gift, they're gonna present it and do things differently. And I find it amazing how God is just 
silent when uh, Paul and Barnabas split ways. He just worked it on out anyway. That is crazy. You know, and we get so bent out of shape on this or that and whatever else. And, and dude, we just got to say, okay, God, you, you got this. But our objective, I'm going to go one last scripture. Uh, because I believe it ties in very well with our message. You know, uh, we study these men of God and we have our favorites, you know, and um, we think, uh, you know, oh, wow, he's greater than him. He did this. He did that. He's uh, a monster, just like John Wesley. This is where I said John Wesley nailed it. It's because John Wesley understood. What I'm about to tell you now. Uh, Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like this little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest. In the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one of these little children like this in my name receives me. Uh, If you go down to verse 10, it says, take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the face of my father who is in heaven. For the son of man has not come or has come to save that which was lost. Uh, if you didn't get what he was saying, man, he who humbles himself is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, so John Wesley's response to that woman who asked if she would see him in the kingdom of God, uh, in the kingdom of, or in heaven, he nailed it. He's like, well, I don't know. He'll be so close to the throne of God. I'm not sure I'll see him. Now, whether he meant that or or not, I don't know. But I do know this. He was humbling himself. Do you understand? Matthew chapter 20. And this time we're really done. Are y'all are y'all getting anything out of this? Trying to get us there because we've got uh, man next year. We've got a big journey, man. Uh, We have come this our Ebenezer. Uh, and God has been good to us. Are y'all with me? Uh, and next year, uh, praise God, God has put us in this place to build His kingdom as one, as a unit. Uh, we're actually going to put some pews back in here, and praise God, I pray that we fill them not with just members, but with children of the kingdom who walk with us, who grow with us, who become one of us. As we become 
one with each other, it was necessary that we built this core. Do you understand? Uh, and now when we understand the kingdom principles and we put them into practice, now we can add people onto us to be a part of that fellowship, that body. Are you all with me? I mean, we're on a mission here. It's greater than me. It's greater than you. It's building the kingdom of God. Now, we are a body placed here together. Uh, and, uh, man, we're, we've got to get this thing moving. You got to get this arm going over here and, uh, the foot walking us where we need to go. You with me? Matthew chapter 20 and we're done, guys. And, uh, man, I, I don't, I, you know, I don't want people to, uh, get it confused. This is one of those messages for every single believer in the kingdom of God. And if John Wesley, George Whitfield, Paul the Apostle, Peter, if they could speak from the grave, they would be telling you this. I, I, I guarantee it. And it's something that American Christianity has almost absolutely forgot. But to be like Christ is to humble yourself. That's, that's true Christianity. Other than that, that's the world imposing on your Christianity. Do you understand? Uh, so um, that is our mission, our, our journey, you know, to become like Christ. Some of us character de- defects like I got, you know, uh, we got God's got to shape us. God's got to grow us, got to mold us. Praise God. All right. Last scripture, Matthew chapter 20. Now, this was a sly little move. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mothers of uh, Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand and on your left hand in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Speaking of his death, burial, and resurrection. And and be baptized with the baptism that I, I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. Praise God. Bless their little hearts. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give. But it's for those whom it is prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased. Like, man, these two, they're trying to favor their way into the kingdom of God and sit on the right and on the left. The other ten disciples hear it and they're like, he ain't the greatest. Uh, anyway, it's just, it's just so humanity. This is so... Common, you know, it's like, uh, but listen to what Jesus says. It says, but Jesus called them to himself. So he brought them all together. And he says this right here. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. This is key. Listen to me. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. 
Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give His life a ransom for the many. Uh, I'm bringing you this way because we need to understand that it is the way the world works. That they have hierarchies and uh, uh, this... Uh, demanding and ruling over and like, I'm, 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 you're going to do what I tell you to do and all that. Jesus says, no, nah, it ain't even, it ain't even like that in the kingdom of God. That's the way the world does it. So you want to be great in the kingdom of God. He who humbles himself. He who serves. Even the son of man who is the greatest, we can all agree on that. He said, I didn't come to be served. I come to serve. That's our mission. You know, uh, the greatest among us is is somebody like John who does everything. They serve everywhere. You know what I'm saying? That that's that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. That's the real kingdom. You know, we have these uh, these uh, worldly systems imposed in our belief system, but Jesus just flips the whole thing around. Are y'all with me? The greatest is the servant. So I want to close with this, but I, I want you to understand. The Bible teaches us that if you need grace, you give grace. The Bible teaches us in Proverbs that God will show himself in, in the in the way in which you show yourself to others. That's mm. He says, be merciful. Forgive. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So many things that the Bible teaches us that we need to get in line with because what people don't understand is this is spiritual stuff. And what a man reaps, he will. Or what a man sows, he will reap. I said that backwards. Everybody with me. Praise God. Uh, but, you know, God has set forth things in his word that we uh, might not think are important. But they are extremely important. We need to understand that. Uh, so I hope you got something out of this message. And I pray that uh, we can go into this next year. Man, forgive everybody right now. Give everybody a brand new sheet of paper to write on. A brand new slate. Everybody. God didn't call you to uh, hate everybody or be mad or choose sides or any of that stuff. you got to understand that in the end, God's going to work it all out. Just like He did with Paul and, and Barnabas and John Mark. we got to trust Him to do that. But unless you want to go through that fire, you got to humble yourself. You understand? Alright. I love you all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank You so much just for bringing us here together, Lord, and putting us on this journey together. I pray that You just raise up mighty men and women from this place right here, Lord God. We pray that Your uh, will be done and uh, that You just put a grace in, in people's lives and uh, gift them to serve in the kingdom, Lord, and teach us to be humble together and uh, how to deal with one another and communicate wisely, Lord God, that we can rise up as one single force and uh, know how to operate in the kingdom of God and, and be the body that you called us to be.
Help us, Lord God. Grow us in this grace, in your wisdom and in the knowledge of Christ. And teach us how to operate as little sheep and wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Give us that understanding. Give us your Holy Spirit, Lord, and strengthen us. Walk with us through all these situations, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.